Well, good morning, everybody, and what a pleasure to be back at Winchester. You know, after preaching in California, it's just good to be anywhere, right? You never know what the people on the West Coast are going to say. This really happened. There was a lady from California that came up to me, and she said, Oh, Brother Keith, we need you to come to our church for a gospel meeting. We really need somebody like you. She said the other preachers that we've had were so educated, they were so intellectual, and we need somebody like you. <laughs> I, I, I knew what she meant, okay? Uh, she knew I could put it in cornbread language, but uh, you just never know what the people out there are going to say. So what a pleasure to be back in the South, and especially with the uh, Winchester Church. We just sang about the Bible. I want you to take the Bible, your Bible that you have in your hands, and I want you to go with me, please, to Acts chapter 8. Everybody take a Bible. And go to the fifth book of God's New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. There's the book. And we go this morning to Acts chapter 8. It's the story about an Ethiopian. An Ethiopian who learns about Jesus and he obeys Jesus. It's a great story. Uh, You've heard it many, many times, but I want you to listen to it as though you've never heard it. Acts 8, we're going to begin in verse 26. Are you with me? Verse 26 of Acts chapter 8. The text says, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. Now, let me just pause right here to say, folks, I've never met an angel, have you? I've never never seen an angel. I heard about a woman that was married to an angel. Uh, She said, my husband is an angel. Oh, she said, yeah, my husband is an angel. He's always up in the air harping about something. Maybe, maybe you're married to somebody like that, okay? And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. Now, Philip is kind of like Joseph. He's the preacher. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And I like these next few words. And he arose and went. The angel said, Go, and he arose and went. You know what we would have done if we'd been there? You know what we would have said? Folks, I know. I've been to some of our church business meetings. Why? How come? Uh, Excuse me, angel. We've never done this before. Uh, How much is this going to cost? But not Philip. The Bible says, and he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch, a man of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah, or Isaiah, the prophet. Then the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, said unto Philip, Go near and join yourself to this chariot. And I like these next few words. And he ran. When was the last time you saw a preacher run? Have you you ever seen a preacher run? Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join yourself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, "Uh, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, Uh, How can I, 
except some man should teach or guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the Scripture which he read was this, Isaiah 53. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before the shearer, so opened he not his mouth in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch, this guy that's not able to have children, this eunuch said to Philip, I, 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 I beg thee, sir, I pray thee, of, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Is, is Isaiah talking about himself, or is Isaiah talking about some other man? Verse 35, it was read for you a few minutes ago. Then Philip, the preacher, opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture, Isaiah 53, and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the Ethiopian, the eunuch, said to Philip, Look, sir, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And Philip said, well, if you believe, you can. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both, both into the water, the preacher and the sinner, and the preacher baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way very, very happy. He went on his way feeling good. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. And that's Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. In all likelihood, in all likelihood, uh, there are two groups of people uh, in this audience this morning. First of all, I'm convinced that I stand before a number of people who are saved. Do you know anybody who's saved? Uh, maybe, maybe you're saved. Perhaps when you were 15 or 19 or 34, you walked down a church aisle. You gave the preacher your hand and God your heart. You made that good confession. Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and you were baptized in the name of the precious three, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the day that you were baptized? How many baptized believers do we have in this audience? If you uh, believe in Christ and you have put on Jesus in baptism, be proud of it. Do you remember, church, the day that you were baptized? Coming up out of that water and feeling so clean and so white and so saved and forgiven. And, and today you're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. You don't cross every T. You do not dot every I. But more than anything in the world, you want to please God. More than anything in the world, you want to go to heaven. And when it comes to Jesus Christ, you are Mr. Excitement. You love talking about Jesus and singing about Jesus and telling your neighbors and friends about Jesus. And everybody knows. People at work, people at school, people at home, everybody, everybody knows you're the real deal. You, you love the Lord. You're walking in the light. And if you were to die right now, you would go to the place that we call heaven. You are saved. You're in Jesus, and you're headed to heaven. But I'm also convinced. Now, I don't know, because I'm not God and I'm not the judge. I don't know your heart. But in all likelihood, in an audience of this size, there, there's another group of people. There are people 
who are lost. Do you know anybody who's lost? Maybe you're lost. Uh, Maybe you've never made that great commitment. Uh, Maybe you've never become a Christian. You've been thinking about it. You've been talking about it. You've been saying, you know, one day I will. One day I'll become a Christian. Or maybe, uh, maybe you're a baptized believer. Let's just be honest, okay? Something has happened and you have fallen out of love with Jesus. You very seldom come to church on Sunday night. You very seldom come back to church on Wednesday night. In all likelihood, you will not come back tonight because you have more important things to do. And when you do come to church, you kind of slip in and slump down and slip out. And if you see the preacher, you might say, hey, good sermon, but down deep you know that there's something that's missing in your relationship with the Lord. You have grown weak and tired and discouraged Spiritually, you're cold, and spiritually, you're dead, and spiritually, you're lost. Let me ask you a question. I'm asking you. And as I ask you, I ask myself, are you saved or lost? Are you saved or lost? Well, here in Acts chapter 8, we've just read about a lost man, a lost man who was saved. And as we get started this morning... In the study of the story, I want you to notice the man. Notice the man of Acts chapter 8. We don't know his name. We can't call him George or John or Philip. We don't know his name. We just call him the Ethiopian eunuch. Again, a man who's not able to have children. And uh, the Bible indicates that he's a very uh, good guy. He's a very religious guy. He had traveled from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. You ever been to the city of Jerusalem? I've been there twice. God willing, I'm going again in, uh, in December, right after Christmas. I, I'm leading a, a group to Israel. Love to have you to come and go with us. If you've never been, you ought to pack your bags and go. And if you ever go to Jerusalem, you will go up to Jerusalem, even if you're going south, because Jerusalem is elevated. It's upon a hill. And this guy from Ethiopia had traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles to the city of Jerusalem, and he's on his way back home, and he's reading the Bible. He had been to Jerusalem to worship, and he's on his way back home doing this. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. So he's a good man. He's a religious man. He's a churchgoer and a Bible reader. But he's lost. Do you realize, ladies and gentlemen, on the day of judgment, there are going to be some good and sincere and moral churchgoers and Bible believers who will be lost? you understand that? I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. Matthew 7, starting in verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Lord Jesus, Lord, come into my heart, Lord, I love you. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that is doing the will of my Father, which is in heaven. First of all, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us who's not going to be saved. Not those who just cry out, Lord, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Lord, come into my heart. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter. And then he says, let me tell you who's going to be saved. Those who are doing the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And then he said in Matthew 7 and verse 22, many, how many, Lord, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name 
and in your name have cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I don't know you, I never knew you, depart from me, you who work iniquity. And there be implication, Jesus is saying, on the day of judgment, there are going to be some good people, sincere people, religious people, churchgoers, and Bible believers who will be lost. Does that bother you? You ever pray for these people? The Apostle Paul said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Romans 10 and verse 1. If I were to ask you, name for me one person, one lost person for whom you have been praying, could you do it? Have you been praying for anybody to be saved? When you look out and see a religious guy, a good guy who's lost, does that bother you? Do you ever cry for these people? I think about what James said in James chapter 4 and verse 9. He said, church, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Do what? Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to heaviness. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. And there be implication. James is saying, when we see lives stained with sin and hands polluted by the corruption of the world, when we see good people, religious people, sincere people who are lost, we're in no position to sit back and say, <laughs> they're so funny. No, James said we ought to weep, we ought to mourn, we ought to cry for the lost. Does it bother you that you have lost people in your family? Maybe the one that you're married to, the one that you love so much, maybe your own children, your grandchildren who are lost. Good people, but lost. Well, the guy of Acts chapter 8 was a good man, religious guy. He had traveled hundreds of miles to go to church. And he's on his way back home reading his Bible. He's religious, but lost. I see something else here, and let me share it with you. In the second place, I want you to notice the message. The message that was preached to the man. I want you to notice the message. Go back to verse 35, Acts 8 and verse 35. He's on his way back home. He's reading from Isaiah chapter 53 about a sheep going to be slaughtered, about a lamb going to be killed, and the Bible says in verse 35 of Acts chapter 8, then Philip, the preacher, opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, Isaiah 53, and preached unto him, and here's the message, the last word in verse 35, Jesus. Have you ever wondered why Philip talked to this guy about Jesus? Think about it. He was reading from the book of Isaiah. Why didn't Philip talk to him about Isaiah the prophet? Uh, why didn't he preach about uh, Moses? Why did he talk to this guy about Jesus? It's a good question, very good question. And the answer to the question is very, very simple. The answer to the question is, Jesus is the answer. Philip began at the same scripture, Isaiah 53, and he preached to this guy about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the answer. I mean, didn't Jesus say in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the light? And didn't the angel of God say to Joseph, Jesus' father, even before Jesus was born, she, Matthew 1, 21, she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and you'll call his name, here's the message, Jesus, here's the reason. He'll save his people from their sins. 
And didn't the, didn't the Apostle Peter preach in Acts 4 and verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And didn't the Apostle Paul say in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners? How many parents are in this audience? If you are a parent, may I see your hand, please? Parents, be proud of it. Look around, folks. Most of us are. Many of you are. Can you imagine giving your child to save a sinner? Can you imagine giving the life of your child to save a sinner? It's what God did. God gave His Son, His only Son, to save sinners. Take a lot of love, wouldn't it, to do that? Think about it. Who would you die for? Is there anybody in this audience that you would die for? Honestly, honestly, would you die? Would you die for me? Would I die for you? We can talk about dying for each other. It'd take a lot of love, wouldn't it, to die for somebody? In fact, Jesus said in John 15, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And so when we go back to the cross, and we see that sheep that went to be slaughtered, that lamb that went to be sheared, when we go back to the cross and we see Jesus hanging on that cross and, and people spitting in His face and people mocking Him as He died there in agony, and we see the body and we see the blood, we hear God saying, hey, that's how much I love you. I love you enough to give my Son, my only Son for you. And if you were the only sinner living, I believe that Jesus would have done that for you. Are you listening? He died for you. He was buried for you. He was raised for you. That's our message. That's our hope. That's what I'm going all over the world talking about. Jesus and Him crucified. In fact, the Apostle Paul put it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2. He said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus and Him crucified. And that's the message that this guy from Ethiopia heard. Philip begins in Isaiah 53 and he talks to this guy about the message Jesus. Now, I see something else here, and let me share it with you. I not only see the man, and I not only see the message, I see the manner in which the man responded to the message. Look down to verse 36. Verse 36. After he heard the message, the text says, and as they went on their way, they came to some water. And this guy from Ethiopia, this eunuch said to the preacher, hey, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Have you ever wondered why he wanted to be baptized? Right then and there. I mean, think about it. He's out in the middle of nowhere. Somewhere between Jerusalem and home, somewhere between Jerusalem and Ethiopia, they see water. And this guy says, well, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Have you ever wondered why didn't he wait until he got back to his family? Why didn't he wait until the next Sunday? Why did he want to be baptized right then? And there. Well, if you've ever been to the Church of Christ, uh, you know that we place a lot of attention, a lot of emphasis on people being baptized. Ruby, where are you? Ruby, may I see your hand, please? There, Ruby, when you were baptized, three wonderful things happened to you. Number one, your sins were washed away by the blood of Jesus. Number two, you were added to the family of God. The family of God, we call the family of God the church. 
And number three, you were given a very special gift, the gift of God's Spirit. Ruby, we're so proud of you. Greatest decision of your life. And this guy from Ethiopia wanted to be baptized. And if you've ever been to the Church of Christ, you know we place a lot of attention on people being baptized. We preachers get up and quote verses like Mark 16, 16. Anybody that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And we quote verses like Acts 2, 38. Repent, change, and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And we quote verses like Galatians 3, 26 and 27. You're all the children of God by faith. For as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And we get up and we say, you ought to be baptized. You ought to be baptized. Hey, you ought to be baptized. And you know, that's right. We have some people in this audience that need to be baptized. You know why? You know why you need to be baptized? It's not because of the water. There's no power in the water. There's no magic in the water. Water is water is water. Sometimes in Churches of Christ, we sing the song, What Can Wash Away Our Sins? And what do we sing, audience? Nothing but the water and the baptistry. We don't sing that, do we? What can wash away our sins? What do we sing? Nothing but the water at the river? Oh, no. You know what we sing. What do we sing? Nothing but the... And the Bible teaches it. The Bible teaches that when a sinner by faith is baptized, that's when, that's the point in time, the blood of Jesus washes his sins away. Romans 6 and verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. When Jesus died upon the cross, he shed his blood, and the only thing that can take away your sins is the blood of Jesus. Two weeks ago, when I preached in Mississippi, a 27-year-old man, a fellow by the name of Robert, came to church. He had been coming to church. He was not a Christian. We studied with him Monday night and Tuesday night, Wednesday night. He said, I'm ready. I, I want to make that decision. He was baptized in water. And when he was baptized in water, that's when the blood of Jesus washed away his sins. This past week, out in California, met a young guy by the name of Brandon. Brandon, 15 years old. He had never become a Christian. Mom was a Christian and dad was a Christian. But Brandon was not. He'd been thinking about it. And this past week, Brandon became our brother in Christ, just like Ruby became our sister in Christ. Because when a person by faith is baptized, that's when, that's the point in time that the blood of Jesus washes his sins away. And so this guy from Ethiopia says, look, here is water. Why can't it be baptized? Well, do you believe? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so notice what happened, verse 38. Acts 8 in verse 38. He commanded the chariot to stand still, to stop. And they went down both into the water. Who? The, the preacher Philip and this guy from Ethiopia. And the preacher baptized him. And then verse 39 says, And when they were come up out of the water... And you know, that's really what baptism is. It's a going down to the water and a coming up out of the water. Some time ago, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said, have you ever made a commitment to Christ? He said, yeah, I made a commitment to Christ when I was three years old. I said, three years old, that's pretty young. He said, yeah, it was pretty young. I said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, I don't remember a lot about it, but I'm told when I was three years old, water was sprinkled upon my body. Water was poured on my head. And, you know, there are a lot of religious people, good people, sincere people who believe that's baptism. Water being administered, applied to the body. Maybe a sprinkling, maybe water being poured up on the head. What does the Bible say? Let me tell you what the Bible says, okay? John 3 and verse 23. If you're taking notes, that's John 3 and verse 23. John, that is John the baptizer, 
was baptizing in Enon, near Salem. Do you remember why? He was baptizing in a particular place for a particular reason. The text says because there was plenty, plenty of water there. Let's be honest, folks. To sprinkle somebody doesn't take a lot of water. To pour water on somebody's body doesn't take a lot of water. But to dip, to plunge, to immerse takes a lot of water. And then again, I think about Romans 6. Romans 6 and verse 4. Paul said, therefore we are buried, not sprinkled. Are you listening? Therefore we are buried, not poured. Therefore we are buried with him in baptism. And that's what we see here in Acts chapter 8. Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? So they stopped the chariot. They go down to the water. The preacher, the sinner, the preacher baptizes him. And when they were come up out of the water, I love this part. The text says, the Spirit of the Lord caught away the preacher. And the Ethiopian, this guy from Ethiopia, went on his way. My Bible says he went on his way rejoicing. Maybe your Bible says he went on his way feeling good. I know in churches of Christ, we don't like to talk about feeling good. That sounds too denominational. That sounds too Pentecostal. We don't want to talk about feeling good. Let me tell you, folks. Let me tell you something. It feels good to be saved. It really does. It feels good to be saved. And if you're saved and headed to heaven, notify your face, would you? Put a smile on your face and a song in your heart and a leap in your step. It's a good thing to be saved. And this guy, when he obeyed Jesus, went on his way very, very happy. He went on his way feeling good. So the man, a religious guy, but a man who needed to be saved. The message, Philip talked to him about Jesus. And the manner in which the man received the message, he said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? May I ask you this question? Why shouldn't you be baptized? We have some people in this audience, you've been thinking about it, you've been talking about it, you've been saying, one day I will. One day I'm going to become a Christian. If you knew that this is the last service you would ever attend, what would you do this morning? I mean, this is the last invitation song you would ever, ever sing. What would you do right now? See, Satan doesn't mind that some of you are thinking about becoming Christians. He doesn't mind that some of you are thinking about being baptized into Christ because as long as you think about it, oh, Satan says, ha, ha, got you right where I want you. You say, Brother Keith, you're not talking to me. Oh, I'm not talking to you. I'm not, you're not talking to me. Man, man, I've been baptized. Oh, you've been baptized? You say, yes, sir. Man, I became a Christian when I was 12 years old. I became a Christian back in the 1960s. Somebody says, man, I've been a Christian for over 50 years. Let me ask you a question to the baptized believers of this audience. Honestly, how are you and Jesus doing right now? Are you closer to Jesus right now than you've ever been in your life? I mean, you pray more now than you've ever prayed. You give more now than you've ever given. You attend church more now than you've ever attended. You're out talking to your neighbors and friends about your Savior more now than you've ever talked to your neighbors and friends. Say, maybe we have some baptized believers. And you've just been become, you've, you've become discouraged. You've grown cold and indifferent. And maybe you just need to be prayed for. Do we have anybody this morning? who needs to be prayed for. I tell you, 
It's a good thing to be saved. It's a good thing to be a Christian. Just like this guy, you can go on your way very, very happy. So if you need to become a Christian, you say, Keith, what would I say when I come forward? Just come and say, hey, I want to do what the man did. I, I want to do what the Ethiopian did. I, I, I want to be saved. I want to become a Christian. If you're a baptized believer, just need to be prayed for, you say, Keith, what would I say when I come forward? Come and say, pray for me. Pray for me. So we go back to the question we started with, honestly. Be honest. Are you saved or lost? Saved or lost? I mean, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? You know that. If you're lost, do what's right this morning. Need to become a Christian? Do it. Need to come and say, pray for me? Do it. Some of us don't need to walk down a church aisle. We need to run down a church aisle. It's that urgent. And you too can go on your way very, very happy. God loves you. We love you. And we offer this invitation song to encourage you to do what is right. Let's stand and sing.